Psalm 9 and 10 from Expositions on the Book of Psalms by St. Augustine. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The inscription of this psalm is To the end for the hidden things of the Son, a psalm of David himself. As to the hidden things of the Son, there may be a question, but since he has not added whose, the very only begotten Son of God should be understood. For where a psalm has been inscribed to the son of David, when he says he fled from the face of Absalom his son, although his name even was mentioned, and therefore there could be no obscurity as to whom it was spoken of, yet it is not merely said as from the face of his son Absalom, but his is added, and here both because his is not added, and much is said of the Gentiles, it cannot properly be taken of Absalom. For the war which that abandoned one waged with his father no way relates to the gentiles since there the people of israel only were divided against themselves this psalm is then sung for the hidden things of the only begotten son of god for the lord himself too when without addition he uses the word son would have himself the only begotten to be understood as where he says if the Son shall make you free, then shall ye be free indeed. For he said not the Son of God, but in saying merely Son, he gives us to understand whose Son it is, which form of expression nothing admits of, save his excellency of whom we so speak, that though we name him not, we can be understood. For so we say, it rains, clears up, thunders, and such like expressions, and we do not add who does it all, for that the excellency of the doer spontaneously presents itself to all men's minds, and does not want words. What, then, are the hidden things of the sun? By which expression we must first understand that there are some things of the sun manifest, from which those are distinguished which are called hidden. Wherefore, since we believe two advents of the Lord, one past, which the Jews understood not, the other future, which we both hope for, and since the one which the Jews understood not, profited the Gentiles. For the hidden things of the sun is not unsuitably understood to be spoken of this advent, in which blindness in part happened to Israel, that the fullness of the Gentiles might come in. For notice of two judgments is conveyed to us throughout the scriptures, if any one will give heed to them, one hidden, the other manifest. The hidden one is passing away, of which the apostle Peter says, The time is come, that judgment should begin from the house of the Lord. The hidden judgment, accordingly, is the pain, by which now each man is either exercised in purification, or warned to conversion, or, if he despise the calling and discipline of God, is blinded unto damnation. But the manifest judgment is that in which the Lord at his coming will judge the quick and the dead, all men confessing that it is he by whom both rewards shall be assigned to the good and punishments to the evil. But then the confession will avail, not to the remedy of evils, but to the accumulation of damnation. Of these two judgments, the one hidden, the other manifest, the Lord seems to me to have spoken where he says, Whoso believeth on me hath passed from death unto life, and shall not come into judgment, into the manifest judgment, that is,
for that which passes from death unto life by means of some affliction whereby he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth is the hidden judgment but whoso believeth not saith he hath been judged already that is by this hidden judgment hath been already prepared for that manifest one these two judgments we read of also in wisdom whence it is written therefore unto them as to children without the use of reason thou didst give a judgment to mock them but they have not been corrected by this judgment have felt a judgment worthy of god whoso then are not corrected by this hidden judgment of god shall most worthily be punished by that manifest one wherefore in this psalm must be observed the hidden things of the son that is both his advent in humility by which he profited the gentiles with the jews blindness and the pain which is now dispensed secretly not as yet in the damnation of sinners but either in exercising the converted or in admonition that they be converted or in blinding that they who refuse to be converted may be ready for damnation i will confess unto thee o lord with my whole heart he doth not with a whole heart confess unto god who doubteth of his providence in any particular but he who sees already the hidden things of the wisdom of god how great is his invisible reward who saith we rejoice in tribulations and how all torments which are inflicted on the body are either for the exercising of those that are converted to god or for the warning that they be converted or for just preparation for the obdurate unto their last damnation and so now all things are referred to the governance of divine providence which fools think done as it were by chance and at random and without any divine ordering i will tell all thy marvels he tells all god's marvels who sees them performed not only openly on the body but invisibly indeed too in the soul but far more sublimely and excellently for men earthly and led wholly by the eye marvel more that the dead lazarus rose again in the body than that paul the persecutor rose again in soul but since the visible miracle calleth the soul to the light but the invisible enlighteneth the soul that comes when called he tells all god's marvels who by believing the visible passes on to understanding of the invisible i will be glad and exult in thee not any more in this world not in pleasure of bodily dalliance not in relish of palate and tongue not in sweetness of perfumes not in joyousness of passing sounds not in the variously colored forms or figure not in vanities of men's praise not in wedlock and perishable offspring not in superfluity of temporal wealth not in this world's getting whether it extend over place and space or be prolonged in time's succession but i will be glad and exult in thee namely in the hidden things of the sun where the light of thy countenance hath been stamped on us o lord for thou wilt hide them saith he in the hiding place of thy countenance and then will be glad and exult in thee who tells all thy marvels and he will tell all thy marvels since it is now spoken of prophetically who came not to do his own will but the will of him who sent him 
for the person of the Lord begins to appear, speaking in this psalm. For it follows, I will sing to thy name, O Most High, and turning back mine enemy behind. This enemy then, where was he turned back? Was it when it was said to him, Get thee behind, Satan? For when he who by tempting desired to put himself before was turned behind by failing in deceiving him who was tempted, and by availing nothing against him. For earthly men are behind, but the heavenly man is preferred before, although he came after. For the first man is of the earth, earthy, the second man is from heaven, heavenly. But from this stock he came by whom it was said, He who cometh after me is preferred before me. And the apostle forgets those things that are behind, and reaches forth unto those things that are before. The enemy, therefore, was turned behind. After that he could not deceive the heavenly man being tempted. And he turns himself to earthy men, where he can have dominion. Wherefore no man goeth before him, and causeth him to be behind. But he who, laying aside the image of the earthy man, shall have borne the image of the heavenly. But now should we prefer understanding the words mine enemy, generally, either for a sinner or an heathen, it will not be unreasonable. Nor will the words, in turning mine enemy behind, be a punishment, but a benefit, yea, such a benefit as that nothing can be compared to it. For what more blessed than to lay aside pride and to have no wish to go before Christ, as if one were whole, and needed not the physician, but to wish rather to go behind after Christ, who, when calling a disciple to perfection, saith, Follow me. But still, in turning my enemy behind, is more suitably understood as spoken of the devil. For in truth the devil is turned behind, even in the persecution of the righteous, and he, much more to their advantage, is a persecutor than if he went before as a leader and a prince. We must sing, then, to the name of the Most High, and turning the enemy behind, since we ought to choose rather to fly from him as a persecutor than to follow him as a leader. For we have whither we may fly and hide ourselves in the hidden things of the Son, seeing that the Lord hath been made a refuge for us. They will be weakened and perish from thy face. Who will be weakened and perish? But the unrighteous and ungodly. They will be weakened, while they shall avail nothing, and they shall perish. Because the ungodly will not be from the face of God, that is, from the knowledge of God, as he perished, who said, But now I live not, but Christ liveth in me. But why will the ungodly be weakened? and perish from thy face. Because, he saith, thou hast made my judgment and my cause, that is, the judgment in which I seem to be judged. Thou hast made mine, and the cause in which men condemned me just and innocent. Thou hast made mine, for such things served him for our deliverance, as sailors too call the wind theirs, which they take advantage of for prosperous sailing. Thou sattest on the throne, who judgest equity. Whether the Son say this to the Father, who said also, 
thou couldst have no power against me except it were given thee from above referring this very thing that the judge of man was judged for man's advantage to the father's equity and his own hidden things or whether man said to god thou saddest on the throne who judgest equity giving the name of god's throne to his soul so that his body may peradventure be the earth which is called god's footstool for god was in christ reconciling the world unto himself or whether the soul of the church perfect now and without spot and wrinkle worthy that is of the hidden things of the son in that the king hath brought her unto his chamber says to her spouse thou saddest upon the throne who judgest equity in that thou hast risen from the dead and ascended up into heaven and sittest at the right hand of the father whichsoever i say of those opinions whereunto this verse may be referred is preferred it transgresses not the rule of faith thou hast rebuked the heathen and the ungodly hath perished we take this to be more suitably said to the lord jesus christ than said by him for who else hath rebuked the heathen and the ungodly perished save he who after that he ascended up into heaven sent the holy ghost that filled by him the apostles should preach the word of god with boldness and freely reprove men's sins at which rebuke the ungodly perished because the ungodly was justified and was made godly thou hast effaced their name for the world and for the world's world the name of the ungodly hath been effaced for they are not called ungodly who believe in the true god now their name is effaced for the world that is as long as the course of the temporal world endures and for the world's world what is the world's world but that whose image and shadow as it were this world possesses for the change of seasons succeeding one another whilst the moon is on the wane and again on the increase whilst the sun each year returns his quarter whilst the spring or summer or autumn or winter passes away only to return is in some sort an imitation of eternity but this world's world is that which abides in immutable eternity as a verse in the mind and a verse in the voice the former is understood the latter heard and the former fashions the latter and hence the former works in art and abides the latter sounds in the air and passes away so the fashion of this changeable world is defined by that world unchangeable which is called the world's world and hence the one abides in the art that is in the wisdom and power of god but the other is made to pass in the governance of creation for after all it be not a repetition so that after it was said for the world lest it should be understood of this world that passeth away it were added for the world's world for in the greek copies it is thus eston eona ke eston eona ton eonos which the latins have for the most part rendered not for the world and for the world's world but for ever and for the world's world and in the words for the world's world the words forever should be explained the name then of the ungodly thou hast effaced forever 
for from henceforth the ungodly shall never be and if their name be not prolonged unto this world much less unto the world's world the swords of the enemy have failed at the end not enemies in the plural but this enemy in the singular now what enemies swords have failed but the devils now these are understood to be the diverse erroneous opinions whereby as with swords he destroys souls in overcoming these swords and in bringing them to failure that sword is employed of which it is said in the seventh psalm if ye be not converted he will brandish his sword and peradventure this is the end against which the swords of the enemy fail since up to it they are of some avail now it worketh secretly but in the last judgment it will be brandished openly by it the cities are destroyed for so it follows the swords of the enemy have failed at the end and thou hast destroyed the cities the cities indeed wherein the devil rules where crafty and deceitful counsels hold as it were the place of a court on which supremacy attend as officers and ministers the services of all the members the eyes for curiosity the ears for lavishness or for whatsoever else is gladly listened to that bears on evil the hands for rapine or any other violence or pollution soever and all the other members after this manner serving the tyrannical supremacy that is perverse counsels of this city the commonality as it were are all soft affections and disturbing emotions of the mind stirring up daily seditions in a man so then where a king where a court where ministers or commonality are found there is a city nor again would such things be in bad cities unless they were first in individual men who are as it were the elements and seeds of cities these cities he destroys when on the prince being shut out thence of whom it was said the prince of this world has been cast out these kingdoms are wasted by the word of truth evil counsels are laid to sleep vile affections tamed the ministries of the members and senses taken captive and transferred to the service of righteousness and good works and as the apostle says sin should no more reign in our mortal body and so forth then is the soul at peace and the man is disposed to receive rest and blessedness the memorial has perished with an uproar with the uproar that is of the ungodly but it is said with uproar either because when ungodliness is overturned there is uproar made for none passeth to the highest place where there is the deep silence but he who with much uproar shall first have warred with his own vices or with uproar is said that the memory of the ungodly should perish in the perishing even of the very uproar in which ungodliness riots and the lord abideth for ever wherefore then have the heathen raged and the people imagined vain things against the lord and against his anointed for the lord abideth for ever he hath prepared his seat in judgment and he shall judge the world in equity he prepared his seat when he was judged for by that patience man purchased heaven and god in man profited believers and this is the son's hidden judgment 
but seeing he is also to come openly and in the sight of all to judge the quick and dead he hath prepared his seat in the hidden judgment and he shall also openly judge the world in equity that is he shall distribute gifts of proportion to desert setting the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left he shall judge the people with justice this is the same as was said above he shall judge the world in equity not as men judge who see not the heart but whom very often worse men are acquitted than are condemned but in equity and with justice shall the lord judge conscience bearing witness and thoughts accusing or else excusing and the lord hath become a refuge to the poor whatsoever be the persecutions of that enemy who hath been turned behind what harm shall he do to them whose refuge the lord hath become for this will be if in this world in which that one has an office of power they shall choose to be poor by loving nothing which either here leaves a man while he lives and loves or is left by him when he dies for to such a poor man hath the lord become a refuge and helper in due season in tribulation lo he maketh poor for he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth for what an helper in due season is he explained by adding in tribulation for the soul is not turned to god save when it is turned away from this world nor is it more seasonably turned away from this world except toils and pains be mingled with its trifling and hurtful and destructive pleasures verse ten and let them who know thy name hope in thee when they shall have ceased hoping in wealth and in other enticements of this world for the soul indeed that seeketh where to fix her hope when she is torn away from this world the knowledge of god's name seasonably receives for the mere name of god hath now been published everywhere but the knowledge of the name is when he is known whose name it is for the name is not a name for its own sake but for that which it signifies now it has been said the lord is his name wherefore whoso willingly submits himself to god as his servant hath known his name and let them who know thy name hope in thee again the lord saith i am that i am and thou shalt say to the children of god i am hath sent me let them then who know thy name hope in thee that they may not hope in those things which flow by in time's quick revolution having nothing but will be and has been for what in them is future when it arrives straightway becomes the past it is awaited with eagerness it is lost with pain but in the nature of god nothing will be as if it were not yet or hath been as if it were no longer but there is only that which is and this is eternity let them cease then to hope in and love things temporal and let them apply themselves to hope eternal who know his name who said i am that i am of whom it was said i am hath sent me for thou hast not forsaken them that seek thee o lord whoso seek him seek no more things transient and perishable for no man can serve two masters verse eleven sing to the lord who dwelleth in zion is said to them whom the lord forsakes not as they seek him he dwelleth in zion which is interpreted watching 
and which beareth the likeness of the church that now is, as Jerusalem beareth the likeness of the church that is to come, that is, the city of saints already enjoying life angelical, for Jerusalem is by interpretation the vision of peace. Now watching goes before vision, as this church goes before the one which is promised, the city immortal and eternal. But in time it goes before, not in dignity, because more honorable is that whither we are striving to arrive than what we practice. That we may attain to arrive, now we practice watching, that we may arrive at vision. But again, this same church, which now is, unless the Lord inhabit her, the most earnest watching might run into any sort of error. And to this church it was said, For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Again, that Christ may dwell in the inner man in your hearts by faith. It is enjoined us, then, that we sing to the Lord who dwelleth in Zion, that with one accord we praise the Lord, the inhabitant of the church. Show forth his wonders among the heathen. It has both been done and will not cease to be done. Verse 12. For requiring their blood he hath remembered. As if they who were sent to preach the gospel should make answer to that injunction which had been mentioned, show forth his wonders among the heathen, and should say, O Lord, who hath believed our report? And again, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. The psalmist suitably goes on to say that Christians, not without great reward of eternity, will die in persecution, for requiring their blood he hath remembered. But why did he choose to say their blood? Was it as if one of imperfect knowledge and less faith should ask, how will they show them forth, seeing that the infidelity of the heathen will rage against them? And he should be answered, for requiring their blood he hath remembered. That is, the last judgment will come, in which both the glory of the slain and the punishment of the slayers shall be made manifest. But let no one suppose he hath remembered to be so used, as though forgetfulness can attach to God. But since the judgment will be after a long interval, it is used in accordance with the feeling of weak men, who think God hath forgotten, because he doth not act so speedily as they wish. To such is said what follows also, He hath not forgotten the cry of the poor. That is, he hath not, as you suppose, forgotten, as if they should on hearing, he hath remembered, say, then, he had forgotten. No, he hath not forgotten, says the psalmist, the cry of the poor. But I ask, what is the cry of the poor, which God forgetteth not? It is that cry, the words whereof are these. Verse 13. Pity me, O Lord, see my humiliation at the hands of my enemies. Why then did he not say, Pity us, O Lord, see our humiliation at the hands of our enemies, as if many poor were crying, but as if one, Pity me, O Lord? Is it because one intercedeth for the saints? Who first for our sakes became poor, though he was rich? And it is he who saith, 
who exalteth me from the gates of death verse 14 that i may declare all thy praises in the gates of the daughter of zion for man is exalted in him not that man only which he beareth which is the head of the church but whichsoever one of us also is among the other members and is exalted from all deprived desires which are the gates of death for that through them is the road to death but the joy in fruition is at once death itself when one gains what he hath in abandoned wilfulness coveted for coveting is the root of all evil and therefore is the gate of death for the widow that liveth in pleasures is dead at which pleasures we arrive through desires as it were through the gates of death but all highest purposes are the gates of the daughter of zion through which we come to the vision of the peace in the holy church in these gates therefore all the praises of god are well shown forth that what is holy may not be given to dogs nor pearls cast before swine who would rather forwardly bark than earnestly inquire who would neither bark nor inquire but wallow in the mire of their own lusts but when god's praises are shown forth in good earnestness to them that seek it is given to them that inquire it is made manifest to them that knock it is opened more happily are the gates of death the bodily senses and eyes which were opened when the man tasted of the forbidden tree from which they are exalted to whom it is said that they should seek not the things that are seen but the things that are not seen for the things that are seen are temporal but the things that are not seen are eternal and the gates of the daughter of zion the sacraments and the beginnings of faith which are open to them that knock that they may arrive at the hidden things of the sun for i hath not seen nor ear heard neither hath it ascended in the heart of man what things god hath prepared for them that love him thus far is the cry of the poor which the lord hath not forgotten then follows i will exalt for thy salvation that is with blessedness shall i beholden by thy salvation which is our lord jesus christ the power and wisdom of god therefore says the church which is here in affliction and is saved by hope as long as the hidden judgment of the son is in hope she says i will exalt for thy salvation for now she is worn down either by the roar of violence around her or by the errors of the heathen verse fifteen the heathen are fixed in the corruption which they made consider ye how punishment is reserved for the sinner out of his own works and how they have wished to persecute the church have been fixed in that corruption which they thought to inflict for they were desiring to kill the body whilst they themselves were dying in soul in that snare which they hid has their foot been taken the hidden snare is crafty devising the foot of the soul is well understood to be its love which when depraved is called coveting or lust but when upright love or charity for by love it is moved as it were to the place whither it tendeth but the soul's place is not in any space 
which bodily form occupies, but in the delight at which she rejoices to have attained through love. But a pernicious delight follows coveting, a profitable one charity, whence coveting is also called a root. The root, moreover, is taken for, so to say, the foot of the tree. Charity, too, is called a root, where the Lord speaks of the seed, which in the stony places withers under the scorching sun, because it had not deep root. Whereby he points out those that rejoice in receiving the word of truth, but give way in persecution, which can be withstood by love only. And the apostle says, that being rooted and grounded in love, ye may be able to take in. The foot then of sinners, that is, their love, is taken in the snare which they hide. For when delight shall have followed on to deceitful dealing, when God shall have delivered them over to the lust of their heart, that delight at once binds them, and they dare not tear away their love thence, and apply it to profitable objects. For when they shall make the attempt, they will be pained in heart, as if desiring to free their foot from a fetter, and giving way under this pain, they refuse to withdraw from pernicious delights. In the snare, then, which they have made, that is, in deceitful counsel, their foot hath been taken. That is their love, which through deceit attains to that vain joy, whereby pain is purchased. Verse 16. The Lord is known, executing judgments. These are God's judgments, not from the tranquility of his blessedness, nor from the secret places of wisdom, wherein blessed souls are received, is the sword or fire or wild beast or any such thing brought forth, whereby sinners may be tormented. But how are they tormented, and how does the Lord do judgment? In the works, he says, of his own hands hath the sinner been caught. Here is interposed, the song of the Diselma, as it were the hidden joy, as far as we can imagine, of the separation which is now made, not in place, but in the affections of the heart, between sinners and the righteous, as of the corn from the chaff, as yet on the floor, and then follows, verse 17, let the sinners be turned into hell. That is, let them be given into their own hands, when they are spared, and let them be ensnared in deadly delights. All the nations that forget God. Because when they did not think good to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a retrobate mind. Verse 18. For there shall not be forgetfulness of the poor man to the end. Who now seems to be in forgetfulness, when sinners are thought to flourish in this world's happiness, and the righteous to be in travail. But the patience, saith he, of the poor man shall not perish forever. Wherefore, there is need of patience now to bear with the evil, who are already separated in will, till they be also separated at the last judgment. Verse 19. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. The future judgment is prayed for, but before it come, but the heathen, saith he, be judged in thy sight, that is, in secret, which is called in God's sight, with the knowledge of a few holy and righteous ones. Verse 20. Place a lawgiver over them, O Lord. 
he seems to me to point out Antichrist, of whom the Apostle says, When the man of sin shall be revealed, let the heathen know they are men, that they who will be set free by the Son of God, and belong to the Son of Man, and be sons of men, that is, new men, may serve man, that is, the old man the sinner, for that they are men. But because it is believed that he is to arrive at so great a pitch of empty glory, and he will be permitted to do so great things, both against all men and against the saints of God, that then some weak ones shall indeed think that God cares not for human affairs, the psalmist interposing a disalma, adds, as it were, the voice of men groaning and asking why judgment is deferred. Psalm 10, verse 1. Why, O Lord, saith he, hast thou withdrawn afar off? Then he who thus inquired, as if all on a sudden he understood, or as if he asked, though he knew that he might teach, adds, Thou despisest in due seasons, in tribulations, that is, thou despisest seasonably, and causest tribulations, to inflame men's minds with longing for thy coming, or that fountain of life is sweeter to them that have much thirst. Therefore he hints the reason of the delay, saying, verse 2, Whilst the ungodly vaulteth himself, the poor man is inflamed. Wondrous it is, and true, with what earnestness of good hope the little ones are inflamed unto upright living by comparison with sinners, in which mystery it comes to pass that even heresies are permitted to exist, not that heretics themselves wish this, but because divine providence worketh this result from their sins, which both maketh and ordaineth the light, but ordereth only the darkness, that by comparison wherewith the light may be more pleasant as comparison with heretics, the discovery of truth is more sweet. For so by this comparison the approved who are known to God are made manifest among men. They are taken in their thoughts which they think. That is, their evil thoughts become chains to them. But how become they chains? Verse 3, For the sinner is praised, saith he, in the desires of his soul. The tongues of flatterers bind souls in sin, for there is pleasure in doing those things in which not only the reprover feared, but even an approver heard. And he that does unrighteous deeds is blessed. Hence are they taken in their thoughts which they think. Verse 4. The sinner hath angered the Lord. Let no one congratulate the man that prospers in his way, to whose sins no avenger is nigh, and approver is by. This is the great anger of the Lord. For the sinner hath angered the Lord, that he should suffer these things, that is, should not suffer the scourging of correction. The sinner hath angered the Lord, according to the multitude of his anger, he will not search it out. Great is his anger, when he searcheth not out, when he, as it were, forgetteth, and marketh not sin, and by fraud and wickedness man attains to riches and honors, which will especially be the case in that Antichrist, who will seem to men blessed to that degree, that he will even be thought God. But how great this anger of God is, we are taught by what follows. 
God is not in his sight. Verse 5. His ways are polluted in all time. He that knows what in the soul gives joy and gladness knows how great an ill it is to be abandoned by the light of truth. Since a great ill do men reckon the blindness of their bodily eyes, whereby this light is withdrawn. How great then is the punishment he endures, who through the prosperous issue of his sins is brought to that pass, that God is not in his sight, and that his ways are polluted in all time, that is, his thoughts and counsels are unclean. Thy judgments are taken away from his face. For the mind conscious of evil, whilst it seems to itself to suffer no punishment, believes that God doth not judge, and so are God's judgments taken away from its face, while this very thing is great condemnation. And he shall have dominion over all his enemies. For so it is delivered, that he will overcome all kings, and alone obtain the kingdom, since too, according to the apostle who preaches concerning him, he shall sit in the temple of God, exalting himself above all that is worshipped, and that is called God. And seeing that being delivered over to the lust of his own heart, and predestined to extreme condemnation, he is to come by wicked arts, to that vain and empty height and rule. Therefore it follows, verse 6, For he hath said in his heart, I shall not move from generation to generation without evil. That is, my fame and my name will not pass from this generation to the generation of posterity, unless by evil arts I acquire so lofty a principality that prosperity cannot be silent concerning it. For a mind abandoned and void of good arts and estranged from the light of righteousness by bad arts deceives a passage for itself to a fame so lasting as is celebrated even in posterity. And they that cannot be known for good desire that men should speak of them for ill, provided that their name spread far and wide. And this, I think, is meant here. I shall not move from generation to generation without evil. There is, too, another interpretation. If a mind vain and full of error supposes that it cannot come from the mortal generation to the generation of eternity, but by bad arts, which indeed was also reported of Simon, when he thought that he would gain heaven by wicked arts, and pass from the human generation to the generation divine by magic, where then is the wonder, if that man of sin, too, who is to fill up all the wickedness and ungodliness, which all false prophets have begun, and to do such great signs, that, if it were possible, he should deceive the very elect, shall say in his heart, I shall not move from generation to generation without evil. Verse 7. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness and deceit. For it is a great curse to seek heaven by such abominable arts, and to get together such earnings for acquiring the eternal seat. But of this cursing his mouth is full, for this desire shall not take effect, but within his mouth only will avail to destroy him, who dared promise himself such things with bitterness and deceit, that is, with anger and insidiousness, whereby he is to bring over the multitude to his side. Under his tongue is toil and grief. 
Nothing is more toilsome than unrighteousness and ungodliness, upon which toil follows grief, for that the toil is not only without fruit, but even unto destruction, which toil and grief refers to that which he hath said in his heart, I shall not be moved from generation to generation without evil, and therefore under his tongue, not on his tongue, because he will devise these things in silence, and to men will speak other things, that he may appear good and just, and a son of God. Verse 8. He lieth in ambush with the rich. What rich? But those whom he will load with this world's gifts. And he is therefore said to lie in ambush with them, because he will display their false happiness to deceive men, who, when with a perverted will they desire to such as they, and seek not the good things eternal, will fall into his snares. That in the dark he may kill the innocent. In the dark, I suppose, is said, where it is not easily understood what should be sought or what avoided. Now to kill the innocent is of an innocent to make one guilty. His eyes look against the poor. For he is chiefly to persecute the righteous, of whom it is said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 9. He lieth in wait in a secret place, as a lion in his den. By a lion in his den, he means one in whom both violence and deceit will work. For the first persecution of the church was violent, when by prescriptions, by torments, by murders, the Christians were compelled to sacrifice. Another persecution is crafty, which is now conducted by heretics of any kind and false brethren. There remains a third, which is to come by Antichrist, than which there is nothing more perilous, for it will be at once violent and crafty. Violence he will exert in empire, craft in miracles. To the violence the word lion refers, to craft the words in his den. And these are again repeated with a change of order. He lieth in wait, he says, that he may catch the poor. This hath reference to craft, but what follows, to catch the poor whilst he draweth him, is put to the score of violence. For draweth means he bringeth him to himself by violence, by whatever tortures he can. Again, the two which follow are the same. Verse 10. In his snare he will humble him, his craft. He shall decline and fall, whilst he shall have dominion over the poor, his violence. For a snare naturally points to lying in wait. But dominion most openly conveys the idea of terror. For well does he say, he will humble him in his snare. For when he shall begin to do those signs, the more wonderful they shall appear to men, the more those saints that shall then will be despised, and, as it were, set at naught. He whom they shall resist by righteousness and innocence shall seem to overcome by the marvels that he does. But he shall decline and fall, whilst he shall have domination over the poor, that is, whilst he shall inflict whatsoever punishments he will upon the servants of God that resist him. But how shall he decline and fall? Verse 10. For he hath said in his heart, God hath forgotten, he turneth away his face, that he see not unto the end. 
this is declining and the most wretched fall while the mind of a man prospers as it were in its iniquities and thinks that it is spared when it is being blinded and kept for an extreme and untimely vengeance of which the psalmist now speaks verse twelve arise o lord let thine hand be exalted that is let thy power be made manifest now he has said above arise o lord let not man prevail let the heathen be judged in thy sight that is in secret where gods alone seeth this comes to pass when the ungodly have arrived at what seems great happiness to men over whom is placed a lawgiver such as they had deserved to have of whom it is said place a lawgiver over them o lord let the heathen know that they are men but now after that hidden punishment and vengeance it is said arise o lord god let thine hand be exalted not of course in secret but now in glory most manifest that thou forget not the poor unto the end that is as the ungodly think who say god hath forgotten he turneth away his face that he should not see unto the end now they deny that god seeth unto the end who say that he careth not for things human and earthly for the earth is as it were the end of things in that it is the last element in which men labor in most orderly sort but they cannot see the order of their labors which specially belongs to the hidden things of the sun the church then laboring in such times like a ship in great waves and tempests awaketh the lord as if he were sleeping that he should command the winds and calm should be restored he says therefore arise o lord let thine hand be exalted that thou forget not the poor unto the end accordingly understand now the manifest judgment and in exaltation at it they say verse thirteen wherefore hath the ungodly angered god that is what hath it profited him to do so great evil for he said in his heart he will not require it then follows verse fourteen for thou seest toil and considerest anger to deliver them into thine hands this sentence looks for distinct explanation wherein if there shall be error it becomes obscure for thus has the ungodly said in his heart god will not require it as though god regarded toil and anger to deliver them into his hands that is as though he feared toil and anger and for this reason should spare them lest their punishment be too burdensome to him or lest he should be disturbed by the storm of anger as men generally act accusing themselves of vengeance to avoid toil or anger the poor hath been left unto thee for therefore is he poor that is hath despised all the temporal goods of this world that thou mayest be his hope thou wilt be a helper to the orphan that is to him to whom his father this world by whom he was born after the flesh dies and who can already say the world hath been crucified unto me and i unto the world for of such orphans god becomes the father the lord teaches us in truth that his disciples do become orphans to whom he saith call no man father on earth 
of which he first himself gave an example in saying who is my mother and who my brethren whence some most mischievous heretics would assert that he had no mother and they do not see that it follows from this if they pay attention to these words that neither had his disciples fathers for as he said who is my mother so he taught them when he said call no man your father on earth verse fifteen break the arm of the sinner and of the malicious of him namely of whom it was said above he shall have dominion over all his enemies he called his power then his arm to which christ's power is opposed of which it is said arise o lord god let thine hand be exalted his fault shall be required and he shall not be found because of it that is he shall be judged for his sins and himself shall perish because of his sin after this what wonder if there follow verse sixteen the lord shall reign for ever and world without end ye heathen shall perish out of his earth he uses heathen for sinners and ungodly verse seventeen the lord hath heard the longing of the poor the longing wherewith they were burning when in the straits and tribulations of this world they desired the day of the lord but i hath heard the preparation of their heart this is the preparation of the heart of which it is sung in another psalm my heart is prepared o god my heart is prepared of which the apostle says but if we hope for what we see not we do with patience wait for it now by the ear of god we ought according to a general rule of interpretation to understand not a bodily member but the power whereby he heareth and so not to repeat this often by whatever members of his are mentioned which in us are visible and bodily must be understood powers of operation for we must not suppose it anything bodily in that the lord god hears not the sound of the voice but the preparation of the heart verse eighteen to judge for the orphan and the humble that is not for him who is conformed to this world nor for the proud for it is one thing to judge the orphan another to judge for the orphan he judges the orphan even who condemns him but he judges for the orphan who delivers sentence for him that man add not further to magnify himself upon the earth for they are men of whom it was said place a lawgiver over them o lord let the heathen know they are men but he too who in this passage is understood to be placed over them will be a man of whom it is now said that man add not further to magnify himself upon the earth namely when the son of man shall come to judge for the orphan who hath put off from himself the old man and thus as it were buried his father after the hidden things then of the son of which in this psalm many things have been said will come the manifest things of the son of which a little has been now said at the end of the psalm but the title is given from the former which here occupy the larger portion indeed the very day of the lord's advent may be rightly numbered among the hidden things of the son although the very presence of the lord itself will be manifest for of that day it is said that no man knoweth it neither angels nor powers nor the son of man what then so hidden as that which is said to be hidden even to the judge himself 
not as regards knowledge but disclosure but concerning the hidden things of the son even if any one would not wish to understand the son of god but of david himself to whose name the whole psalter is attributed for the psalms we know are called the psalms of david let him give ear to those words in which it is said to the lord have mercy on us o son of david and so even in this manner let him understand the same lord christ concerning whose hidden things is the inscription of this psalm for so likewise it is said by the angel god shall give unto him the throne of his father david nor to this understanding of it is the sentence opposed in which the same lord asks of the jews if christ be the son of david how then doth he and the spirit call him lord saying the lord said unto my lord sit thou on my right hand until i put thine enemies under thy feet for it was said to the unskilled although they looked for christ's coming yet expected him as a man not as the power and wisdom of god he teacheth then in that place the most true and pure faith that he is both the lord of king david and that he is the word in the beginning god with god by which all things were made and son and that he was made to him of the seed of david according to the flesh for he doth not say christ is not david's son but if ye already hold that he is his son learn how he is his lord and do not hold in respect of christ that he is the son of man for so is he david's son and leave out that he is the son of god for so is he david's lord End of Psalm 9 and 10